welcome to Fumpale Podcast, where we are unpacking opinions and changing destinations. I am your host, Shirley Altador, where each week we will chat about how to rise strong out of all types of obstacles that come with relationships. Through personal life experiences and discussions ranging from infidelity, trust, forgiveness, sex, heartbreak, self-love, and so much more. I am passionate and obsessed to provide guidance to every woman to create a better life. Let's dive in, pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. With me, your virtual girlfriend. Welcome back to another episode of Fun Palais Podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us today. We have Darcy, and Darcy is the host of Feeling Aligned Podcast. She inspires women to level up through inner work by bringing out who they become and a money magnet. She is also a mama of a two and a half year old son, Miles, Miles James, and she is a lover on a mission to help others do the same. I tell you, your bio makes me feel special needs, Darcy. Like I can't read. But anyway, welcome. Thank you for being a guest on this show. <laughs> How are you? Yes, thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to pass the mic to you to add to that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm Darcy Elizabeth, and I love my Feeling Line podcast. It's a way for me to kind of reach out to people to really bring out their authentic self because one thing I will say is that our biggest tool is us and sometimes we don't use that. So I like to really use the podcast as a platform to give out that message that tune into you, like what is being authentic to you and who are you and how are you standing out in a way. And also I do like to talk about becoming a money magnet because let's Let's face it, money does make the world go round and changing our mindset on where money goes and how we consume it and how we use it is something that I love to bring to other women. And I am also a single mama to my little man who is my whole wide world and I'm just trying to figure out the whole like work-life balance of being that single mom, make sure I'm present, but also still running my business. I totally get you. I totally get the home and work-life balance. That's important for me as a mother as well. And being authentic authentic to you. As you could see this word, it's like makes me a completely special needs because before <laughs> we got to where we are right now, I was tripping up on this word like I couldn't read. But that's okay. <laughs> yes, that's totally fine. I do it too. I do it too. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to pass you the mic again to start with your story and share with us. How did you take your negative and turn it into a positive? Oh, yes. Okay. So a little bit of background on me is I grew up in Northern Vermont and I actually have an older sister and our parents got divorced when I was like one years old. So I was very young and, um, for the majority of my growing up period, my dad was MIA, and it was me, my mom, and my sister. This point, now looking back, was very hard for my mom, and uh, she turned to alcohol. She turned to alcohol, and unfortunately, she she was mean. You know, it's kind of weird to say it now, but, like, she was very mean, and I think she took out a lot of anger that happened with our dad on us. Um, so I grew up in a home that was, you know, it was, it was broken, right? Mm -hmm. And I had very, like, negative self-talk because that's all I heard. 
And it really made me into like an angrier person, an angrier teen. And I had a lot of resentment, right? And I also like struggled with my body image. I struggled with like not believing I was, you know, good enough, good enough for all these ideas I have in my head. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we have all these dreams, but our negative self-talk gets in the way. And um, there was a lot of challenges growing up. Like I was super embarrassed of our home. I remember I never wanted to bring any of my friends over because it wasn't as nice as everybody's. My clothes weren't as nice as everybody else's. So I constantly had this comparison game and also a lot of, you know, resentment towards my mom that made me an angrier person Mm -hmm. and also made me strong Mm -hmm. so right it also I was angry but also made me strong it made me like have that thick skin to be able to handle when people come uh to you with like not nice words and being constantly talked down um so that was like growing up in a home like that so I remember that at a young age I met this guy and he ended up being my high school sweetheart his family was amazing. Um, he he was great. You know, he turned into my best friend. And I actually end up moving out of my house with my mom at age um, 16. So I was super young when I moved out. Um, but it was a blessing for me because I was able to have this role model of parents that really, you know, showed me like, hey, you know, it's, you are good and you are worth it. And that whole family component that I missed out on for so long. And, you know, this is also not meant to put down my mom, but this is just kind of what happened. And um, I end up really leaning on him and his family. And um, even though his family was amazing and he was a good guy, we were super young. So there was a lot of... um, He cheated on me a lot. And at the time, I felt like that was all I had, right? And I had that negative self-talk that um, my mom told me for so many years that I didn't think I was good enough, right? I wasn't going to be able to find anybody else. So I stayed. I stayed because that was my comfort zone. Those were like my parents. And we ended up getting married. We ended up getting married super young. I was like 21. Um... Now, now I think of it, it's like, that's not that, that young, but it felt like I was super young. And a year into our marriage, he um, cheated on me. And I finally grew that backbone. I don't know what happened, but I would say that'd be my pivotal moment is I was like, no, like marriage to me meant something like you weren't supposed to break. So when that happened, I remember I turned my whole life inside out, picked up, and I was gone. I I hit the hills. And um, it was such, it was such an empowering moment, because I always thought I could never do it, right? I thought I could never leave him. And I thought that I would also not know what to do, because I, unfortunately, with a divorce, at least in my case, you also lose the parents, right? Like, I also lost that parent figure that I had, and I didn't have anywhere to go because I did leave my mom's at such a young age. And I knew that she definitely would have, you know, brought me brought me back in. She would have let me back mm-hmm. in. But I knew I didn't want to be in that toxic environment again mm-hmm. because this was the moment I was like, 
you know what? I am made for more and I am enough. And like really diving into that personal development piece, I even ended up going back to school, which I thought was something that I couldn't do. I got my accounting degree um, and things shifted, right? Like I had to, I went to just one income, which was huge, right? I had to cut out a lot of things, but I knew that for me, to be able to move on that I had to do it. I had to be my cheerleader Mm -hmm. and make this change because I remember I used to always say to myself, if I have a little girl, am I going to want her to think this is the example, right? Mm -hmm. That's something I still do to this day. And now I do it for like my son. But um, if I have a child, do I want them to think this is okay? Do I want them to think that, you know, it's okay to get cheated on you know, multiple times? Do I want them to not have belief in themselves? So after the divorce, I ended up, you know, going back to school, trying to figure everything out. Luckily, I have so many friends in my corner. I have a great group of friends. Um, So I just kept going along. But from this trauma, from that trauma of Whenever it was from my childhood or from the divorce or getting cheated on, I ended up developing a, a extreme thyroid issue. So I had hmm. hypothyroid to the point where I had to get it removed because it got so enlarged. Hmm. And um, I look back now after doing a lot of research and they say that like your body, you know, represents, you know, traumas that you have been through. And um, I end up having to get my thyroid out. But before I got my thyroid out, I was told I wasn't going to be able to have kids. So I was at this point where I was like, oh, great. I'm divorced. I can't have kids. You know, I didn't have any confidence. I didn't believe in myself. And um, then I was fortunate enough, I met this guy who really like helped me bring that confidence back and he almost just let me like be me mm-hmm. you know like I didn't have to have I didn't have to have a certain guard up I could just be me I could talk about the stuff with my mom and my family and he still was like okay with you know going to family Christmas because mm-hmm. even though I moved out so young I still kept that relationship with my mom especially for like our family events and my sister um So I ended up getting my thyroid removed and a month later, even though I wasn't supposed to have a baby, I got pregnant. So um, now is at a really pivotal point where I'm like, okay. With the new guy you met? With the new guy I met. Okay. So I have some questions, but I'll let you finish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll come back to that. (laughs) So I end up um, having a baby with him. And he is absolutely amazing dad. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing dad. And we work really good together. Our son, Miles, you know, of course, like, he amazes me every day. Mm-hmm. Brings me so much joy. Um, but then I COVID hit. And I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that word on here. But the <laughs> pandemic hit. You could say COVID. <laughs> You know, sometimes don't they get it blocked out? I'm like, what can you say? So the pandemic hit and everything hit me, right? Postpartum hit me, um, like recovering from my divorce, the thyroidectomy. My mom got really bad to the point where she um, almost lost her job Mm. with her alcoholism. 
and she was going to Dartmouth. Um, she was what? She ended. She oh sorry, I am far. I I'm used to being way up here up north. She had to go to a hospital, like a large hospital oh, okay. in the yeah in New England. What did you call um, it? It's the name of the facility. Dartmouth. It no, it's like a large hospital. Like if people that are really sick would go to oh. in New England. Oh, Dartmouth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, it all hit me once the pandemic happened because I had to like stop and think. Mm-hmm. Right. We got. We had to kind of slow down for a minute. And um, at that time, I was working a corporate job in accounting, and I also had a little fitness business. And it all hit me that I was, I was like ready for more. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be more than just Miles' mom. And I didn't want to get stuck in that corporate world anymore where it's like the same thing every day and almost like being another number. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to help women. I wanted to help women get out of those funks Mm -hmm. that I was in for so long and not having that belief in myself or not taking that chance to leave out of a toxic situation because of money, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times that's one of our biggest blocks is finances. And I had this pivotal moment. So I ended up really diving in to coaching. I ended up diving into coaching, started my podcast. And along the way, me and Miles' dad ended up splitting up. So I catch myself sometimes like doing the whole like, Okay, you've been divorced, and now you're not with your baby daddy. But that's just part of my story, Mm -hmm. right? It's part of my story, and I'm so fortunate that I do have Miles' dad and me have such a great relationship where it comes to raising him, and we really are good at the co-parenting thing. Let's let's be for real. It's not always peaches and cream. No, it's not. But no, no. But we really try to, like, keep in mind, like, at the end of the day, this is – we're here for him, and especially with the unplanned pregnancy like that, I'm so grateful that I am. I was able to have him. Um, so yeah, so now I'm rocking the single mom life, and I help other women really dive into getting through those blocks we feel. Figure out who are we, where do we want to go, mm-hmm. what exactly does the best future you look like? Because sometimes you need a little help, like getting there, and um, that's. That's what I do in my podcast. <laughs> Dude, that's my story. You we sound... missed a lot in between. It's but... okay. I'm about to patch those pieces up with all those questions that I have. You're so cute. She's like, "Dude, that's my story." <laughs> yeah. Hey. Right? Um, so it was you and your sister in Vermont and you were one when your parents got divorced. Um, t- typically a child's memory doesn't start till like 3 or 4. Do you have a relationship with your father? Yes, yes. So he actually has come back into my life the last few years. Okay. Um, I would say right before my son was born. So once I got my thyroid out, uh-huh. of course, that's like a that's a scary surgery, and it was so large that it was definitely nerve wracking. Gotcha. Um, he was in and out of my life growing up once I became like eight, okay. but he actually went to jail for, um, I think, my whole high school career. So four years, he was in jail. Oh, he was gone. He was gone. Okay. He was not around. Okay. So, um, 
you know, so I was just used to almost not having him. I was used to just, you know, doing my thing. And I also had an extreme resentment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I almost had this resentment, like, you left us, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're you're also, um, you're listening. As I said, children are always sponges. So I was always listening of what people would say about him and, like, put those pieces in there that, you know, maybe weren't always true, but that's what I stuck to. So for many years, I had this resentment from him where I wouldn't let him in. Mm -hmm. And then the last uh, three years, Mm -hmm. I would say he has become a huge part of my life. He's Mm -hmm. somebody that now, um, he's really like helps me a lot with my son. He's very interested um, in our life in general. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's funny how that all turned out. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to have to be able to reconnect the relationship with your parent as long as it's a healthy reconnection, of course, because that's not it's not always a good reconnection sometimes or sometimes you just don't have any desire to reconnect. But that's good that you were able to reconnect with your father even though the divorce, him being gone and just in and out of your life all those years. Do you think that's what led your mom to the drinking. And let me understand this correctly. Is she still drinking present day? Yes. Um, so I think there's a lot of components now, especially being a coach and doing my own therapy mm-hmm. and really diving into it, that the divorce definitely helped with her drinking. Um, but she also lost her father really young from drinking. And I think that she never got to grieve. Mm. She never got to grieve him how, you know, she needed to. And she became a mom and she was stuck in Vermont when the rest of our family is in Connecticut. Uh So, you know, we're up here and she just has her and her two girls. And, um, I think that, you know, that was her comfort. Alcohol was her comfort for so many years and still to this day. And you said your grandpa was an alcoholic who passed away from it. And alcoholism is hereditary. So those are just prime examples of soul ties right there that don't even you don't even realize is happening. Yeah. Um, So now it's you and your sister, your mom's drinking. You said she was really mean. Was it physical? Was it verbal? Was it emotional? Um, it was definitely verbal and emotional for sure. Okay. Uh, she, when those, when those nights would come, mm-hmm. I remember I would literally just try to pretend I was sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. Or go to a friend's house because I knew that for some reason, and especially out of the two of us, I'm the younger one, mm-hmm. but uh, my sister is six years older than me oh. and I always became the target because she was older, right? So she was, like, gone, or she could leave. Um, I mean, luckily for my sister, a lot of times she would take me with her, but sometimes she couldn't, right? right. At the end of the day, the mom makes oh, the rules. okay. So a lot of times I would end up being her target, and um, still to this day, I'm a little bit still her target, and it's a definitely a hard road. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, you know... Between her regular and her drinking are two different people. Oh. And um, so I think I hold on a lot to who she's not when she isn't drinking. But, yeah, it was very verbal abuse. Okay. Now, at 16, you leave home to go live with your high school sweetheart and his parents. Yes. You just 
on a Thursday, you just made this decision that I'm just packing my stuff and I'm going to live with this guy. Yeah. So kind of (laughs) now that I think about it. Yeah, kind of. But also I do remember his parents being like, hey, look, we're we're about to say something if you don't let her live with us. To your mother. Yes. Like they're like, okay, we're going to get somebody else involved here because this isn't healthy for her. So either you let us take her in or we're going to have to reach out for further help because it, it was a very toxic environment. Okay, gotcha. So now I'm going to dive a little deeper. So your sister's 22. She's already gone. She's six years older than you. So she's now living her life, doing whatever it is that she's doing. You're 16 in the house. And that means your sister's been gone for at least the last couple of years. If she's 22, did your sister leave at exactly 18? Yeah, she left at 17. She left at 17. So let me, my rusty math, 18, 19, 20, 21. That's five years. So at 11? Is that right? 11? Yeah. Your sister was gone and you're in the house with your mother under this verbal abuse that she's putting you through. So now 16 comes around. His parents step into the game. Were you guys dating or were you guys just close friends? Uh, We were dating. Okay. So that's why the parents kind of came. We're going to take her or else we're going to call the authorities to take her. Was it what you were telling them or was the living environment when like, was the living environment bad? When you, when I say bad, was it like hoarders? Yeah, no. Okay. So I met my high school sweetheart at 13, right? So I know. 13. I know. Oh. 13. And I was just like, they always invited me everywhere oh. with them. So I was I was always with them. And uh, there would be like some nights they would pick me up and I would, you know, be bawling or try to make excuse not to go home. He would call me every night. That was back in the day where we always picked up the phone and called, right? Okay. You, were, um, you weren't texting. And so he would hear. He would hear and he would tell his, you know, family and – to be honest, for a lot of years, I kept it a secret because I okay. didn't want – I almost, like, didn't want people to think I had that home life, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't want – I love my mom, right? We love our moms. And um, I didn't want – I knew she would get in trouble, I think. I think I knew she would get in trouble, and I knew it was unhealthy. Um, I did have a stepdad, which I haven't brought up yet, which I can't believe this. But I did have a stepdad who would step in, who would step in a lot and be like, leave her alone. You know, like he, I always say he was my guardian angel on this earth for so many years um, because he would like protect me. And I think that was five years that my sister was gone. Mm -hmm. He was my protector. But then he, um, there's only so much he could do, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's not there every minute and he worked away during the week And, um, yeah, I just, I honestly came home one day and I was like, I'm going to move in with them. And she she didn't even really stop me. And then his mom also said like, Hey, I hope you're okay with this. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're not, let us know, but we're going to have to let someone else know because this isn't healthy for her and 
yeah, we're we're going to get involved if you don't let her. Okay. So it wasn't just like you randomly met this boy and then all of this went down. You knew him since you were 13. And right. over the course of three years, the parents realized what was going on. Now, I have a 13 and a 14-year-old. I know where they are at all right. times. I mean, the fact that you were just, I'm hearing these stories of people were like, I was just gone. You know, I just left. I'm like, yeah. not my house. You're not just leaving. You're <laughs> not just leaving in my house. I'm hearing these stories. I'm like, where is the parent? When are they going to step up? Like, you're telling me like, they would just pick me up at night. And what yeah. would you tell your mom? Sometimes when you say anything. <laughs> See what, what I mean? It's such a... I know. And like um, now I notice I'm like a helicopter mom, but it's like, how did she just always just let me, I mean, at 14 years old, I don't think I would have let my daughter stay at her boyfriend's house. No, not at all. Not 13, not 14, not 15. Probably not 15 or 16. If if the parents (laughs) are there, here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here. I'm a very realistic mother. I lost my virginity at 15. So I'm not one of those naive motherfucking moms that's like, oh, you know, you're never going to have sex. Don't do it. I believe in sex before marriage. I get it. But there's some boundaries that's going to be set. You're not. No. 16, you are allowed to be at his house if his parents are there. And maybe for like an hour or two, because you don't want to be so overprotective because I know what that felt like. You figure 16 in two years, this girl's going to be gone and doing her thing and legally can make her own decisions. At what point do I start to loosen that ring around their neck? So that's why I'm saying that for me, based off of just reality in general. 13, 14, you just, just leaving the house. Like, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. going somewhere. Where are you going? You ain't got no plans. You ain't got no business. And then you have a boyfriend. Don't tell me. You lost your virginity at 13? No, I was not 13. <laughs> I was I was also um, 15. Okay. But, um, yeah, no, I was staying over there at, like, 14 years old. Yep, I would go on trips with them. I mean, so they, don't get me they wrong. they took you they in, was, and they, like, were, like, yeah. you're – and. You were dating. Were you sleeping in this boy's room? Yep. My God. (laughs) Jesus. Help us all. At 13, she was sleeping in his room. Well, that's good. You at least waited two years sleeping in his bed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think I started staying there till I was 14. Okay. Um, But yeah, but definitely. That was just some. Your mother, too. So so just picture your son at 14 and like the things you were doing. Like, would you even be okay with that? No, I, I know, know for a fact. That <laughs> I know there's certain things in, in my future. past I would not want my child doing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what is the interesting part. So now, okay, so you're living with them at 16, and I'm assuming from 16, how old were you when you got married? 21. Oh, you were 21 when you got married. Okay, so now yes. you're living with him. Did you ever go back home at all? Did you ever talk to your mom or for those years, it was just like hi and bye and quick conversations? Yep. Hi, bye, quick conversations. How's it going? I graduated high school. You know, like, I mean, my party, my graduation party was at my boyfriend's parents' house. Um, Yeah, so very hi and bye. Okay. Okay. 
All right. Very interesting. So now when you said the cheating, did the cheating start before the marriage or after the marriage? Before. Okay. All right. And were you guys able to work it out? Because I mean, one thing I don't believe in, I don't believe in if a person cheat, you should leave. I do believe that if the person is a continuous repeat offender that has no desire to repair this issue, and this is the best thing I can call it, that they're consistently doing, then you need to walk away from the situation because it does not serve you anymore. So I'm assuming you still loved him and you still wanted to give the relationship a try. Did you address the cheating with him? And he was aware that you were aware or did you keep this disclosed? Yeah. So every time it did happen, I, you know, always would try to put my, you know, foot down. I would end up moving into one of my friend's house or, um, you know, really talking about to him, like, what do you want kind of thing? And I, you know, I think I, on the same like belief as you as like, doesn't mean just cause I cheat, you have to leave. But like, this was, this was multiple times. And as I said, it's not a, like to put him down because I think back and like, oh my gosh, thank gosh I had him and his family. We were so young and, you know, he just obviously he, you know, he liked the thrill mm-hmm. or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own thing. Um, but what it was is after he did it, when we got married, I was just, I don't know. It was different. It was like, I, somebody told me when I was a teenager, you're not done till you're done. Yeah. After he cheated on me, after we were married, I was done. Yeah. You know, like there's only so many times you can deal with that. And also like mentally, how many times can you keep feeling you're not good enough, Mm -hmm. right? That they had to go somewhere else. Um, And let's all remember that him and his family is all I had. And I loved him. Like I loved him so much that as a teenager, you know, I would dress this situation but then I would like almost sweep it under the rug because what would happen? Where would I go? I'd have to move back home. Right? So it's like stay with somebody who cheated on you and his family's great. You know, your life's pretty good. All your friends. Or do you go back home where you were literally, you know, it you know wasn't, it wasn't nice. I got yelled at. It was toxic. So it was like, I always pick to stay, hmm. stay in a relationship. I see. So that makes sense as well, because did that put a riff with his parents or did that, did the parents always kind of know when to back off, know when to mind their business, or did that put a strain in the relationship with them? Because technically they're not your biological child. You're right. dating their son. So I feel like as a parent myself, is there a was their opinion always biased? No, they would call him right out. Okay. Um, so okay, they would, yeah, yeah. So they were very, they were very much aware where I live. It's very small, right? Mm-hmm. So when something happens, people find mm-hmm. out. And his mom was always so good at addressing him and being like, listen, this is, you know, that's not, do you love her? Like, why are you doing that to her? And, um, she would never be mean to him, but she she would sit us down and be like, hey, look, like, why are you, you know, why you keep doing this to her? And Darcy, why are you staying? Like, she would always question me like, girl, why are you dealing with this? I love my son, but why are you dealing with this? And um, 
yeah, now I look back and it's like they had a lot to do with it too. Like they had a lot of reason why it stayed. Hmm. Interesting. Would you, I mean, looking back now when you think about it, which would, of course, this is a hypothetical question. Would you have gone back or do you just cherish and appreciate the experience and it is what it is? But would you have gone Mm. back to the toxicity in your mother's home? Because who else? It was just you, your mom and your sister. The family was in Connecticut. And at this time, your father's incarcerated. So really, what other option did you really have? You know they wasn't going to put their son out. Yeah. I Looking back, of course, we always do this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what would I do different? Would I change anything? No, because I wouldn't be here today, right? But looking back to that girl, I think I should have left. Like, I have this thing where it's like, I could have moved to Connecticut. You know, I could have moved to Connecticut with my family. My family in Connecticut is very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and- had other resources, which a lot of times I realize people always have another option. They just yeah. change is hard for people. That would have been a yeah. major, huge adjustment. Now people was going to be all in your business. And mm-hmm. I mean, change is hard. And I, I do believe no matter what situation you're in, majority of the time, there is a second option that you can explore, even if you don't like that second option. Yeah. Yeah. That is a healthy second option. We're not talking about toxic second options. That's a whole nother topic of itself. But normally there are other options people can explore. But okay. So now 16 to 21, you guys are together. You get married at 21. Were you on birth control the whole time that you didn't get pregnant? I was not on birth control. I was oh. not on birth control from 20 to 25 because they said I could not have a child. Miles so is a I, miracle, baby. He is. He is my miracle. And um, if I, I wonder if I never got my thyroidectomy, if I would even be pregnant. Oh, so, yeah. Blessing, baby. So now, 21, how long were you married for? One year. Oh, that's right. That's right. One solid year. One year. So 22 now you file for a divorce. And where do you go? Because you said you got your accounting degree. So this whole time, were you in school getting getting your bachelor's or your associates? Um, I was getting my bachelor's, but I didn't start getting my bachelor's until I left him. Okay. Um, I ended up moving in with an older woman in my community that was going to rent a room. And... As I always say, the universe has your back. She ended up becoming like a second mom to me. Mm. And she still is till this day. And so I moved in there and like she took me in, you know, like she took this broken heart, 22 year old that knew she knew like I needed her, but she also needed me. She needed that like fun spirit back in her life, you know, like jam sessions in the morning. And so I ended up moving in with her and about six months later, that is when I met Miles' dad. Got it. So twenty, about 22 and a half, 23, roughly speaking, you met Miles' dad. And you were getting this thyroidectomy. And you're also in school. Yeah. Okay. Yep, I, Did you get yep. scholarships or um, grants or loans? Or was his parents paying for school for you? For you? Yeah. So my student loans were... Um, they were all student loans. Like I did all oh, okay. my funding for school on student loans. But I will tell you that when I ended up getting divorced, his parents' name was on my car. His parents were I was on his parents' insurance. Oh. 
Like, so there was a lot of changeover and expenses that I had to end up paying that for so many years, his parents paid for me. So for a long time, you didn't have to pay for any of that stuff. Because I'm assuming when you guys married, did you remain in his parents' home? Uh, so we, they're actually farmers. So we had a house right on the farm and how it kind of works is that they pay your expenses. So yeah, I was not used to paying anything. So when I left, I had to take my own bills with me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Responsibilities changed at 23 yeah. roughly. So now, yes. interesting. Okay. So now you get the thyroidectomy. Was it after, right? You got, you found out that you were pregnant? The thyroidectomy? Yeah, you found, after that, you found out you were pregnant? Yeah, so um, me and James end up, we at that point, were dating for like a year and a half. So mm -hmm. I knew him for a like year and a half. I graduated from with a dual bachelor's degree. I have my corporate job. And then I get hit with the thyroidectomy, and I contemplated it for like six months. I tried like to heal it on my own, but it came down to the point where it's like, okay, you're going to stop breathing, mm -hmm. so... Let's do this. And I remember going into it, like, thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to make it out. Mm -hmm. What if I lose my voice? You know, the whole nine yards. And to be honest, it was the biggest blessing I ever did because whatever it did to my hormones, it allowed me to have miles. Great miles. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a blessing. And you know what? Everything was aligning because look at you. As soon as you got that divorce and you put your foot down, all of a sudden now you got a place to stay. Mm -hmm. Look how that happened just perfectly and not even too far from, I'm assuming, where they lived because you said in your community. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not too far. Okay. So do you still have a good relationship with his parents? We're not going to talk about him. I, I don't care really what relationship you have with him. You guys could probably just be high and by. But the parents who took you in and who supported you for all those years, regardless what happened with you and their son, that's not really their business. But do you try to maintain contact with them? Yeah, so our contact is not like it used to be. His father actually passed away mm. about two years ago. Were you allowed at the and, funeral? Yep. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Yeah, so his mom, she calls, you know, she calls me, she checks in. If I see her, she's always, you know, make sure she comes over. Um, when his father passed away, I was very much included, which was amazing because at that point we weren't together. Mm -hmm. But in my eyes and like in his, like I was like his daughter. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, thank you for this. But fortunately, right before that, I um, graduated and I ended up writing a thank you letter to them just to let them know like, hey, I would not be here today if it wasn't for you guys and like how much I appreciate them. Because when you go through divorce, at the end of the day, it's still their kid, right? Like it's still their kid. They got to you know, they got to be there for him. And I'm glad they were because even though his actions led to the divorce, he was very sad. Mm -hmm. He was very sad. And I mean, so was I. So I was glad, you know, he had his parents. Um, but so right before he passed, I ended up writing a thank you letter. And um, yeah, so he ended up passing away. And me and his mom still chat sometimes, not as much because... Um, my ex has, you know, moved on and he prefers them not to, which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, if I see her, everything's totally fine. Okay. Because are you still in the town, like close by, that you can still yeah, run so, into her at the grocery store or something? 
Yeah, I'm a few towns over, but yeah, there has been times where we go to a restaurant and she's there. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, life has take, taken over. Her life has drastically changed. Her spouse has passed yeah. away. So I get it, you know? I get it. And yeah, son has sure. moved on. So really, in, in all reality, what would you need to speak to her for? And you don't want to bring back some of those memories, probably. Yeah. Yeah, because it was just as hard for them, too. You know, they had mm-hmm. this. I was in their life for 11 years. 11 years, I was like their other daughter. And all of a sudden, bam, she's gone. Yeah, she's gone. The she cord gone. has been cut. <laughs> the cord yep. has been cut. Okay, so now fast forward. You had the thyroidectomy. Miles is born. You're not with Miles' daddy anymore. But out of, through all this, you know, you've learned some major life lessons. You got your bachelor's, dual bachelor's degree, one in accounting. And what's the other one? Business. Business. Okay. So how has life been now? Let's start from graduating. You got miles, you're single mama. How's life now and your coaching business? And what made you go into coaching? Because you have an accounting degree and you have a (laughs) business degree. So the business degree makes sense for the coaching because you need to know a little about business. And this is what entrepreneurs don't be. It's always good to have some type of business knowledge in order to run a damn business. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing is that I went and got my accounting degree because I was good at numbers, right? Like I knew I'm good. I was good at math. I got tons of math awards and I knew that I'd be able to make money. I was like, there's always a need for accountant. I'm going to go get my accounting degree. But my true passion and which this is something for anybody who keeps having that feeling or that urge that they're supposed to be doing something else kept coming up. It kept coming up that I wanted to help other women who were like me at that point before I got my divorce. You know that point where, and it doesn't have to be cheating, but any time in life where you get like super low on yourself mm-hmm. and you feel like, I'm not good enough. I Who am I? Am I even worth this dream? Am I capable of it? Um, so I started to really dive into there and I started out with fitness coaching, which even though I do have a love for fitness, I notice I don't have a love for nutrition. <laughs> like I know it's good for you, but I don't want to teach you on it. So I ended up ta- hiring a coach and be, like really diving in to be like, what what are you good at, Darcy? And one thing I am is I'm a great hype girl and I'm good with money. So that is where I tied in the two of really like feeling at, feeling out like who are you and then connecting that with like manifesting money mm-hmm. and how to be better about tracking your money. So I do have that accounting agree a little bit in there, but more it's more like the spiritual side of like how to make room for more money in your life and are you ready to we always say we want we want more money, we want this, but are you capable of taking that on? Mm-hmm. Like what does your life look like? So I like to really break that down for other women because I never want a woman to feel like they can't make a change mm-hmm. because they're financially strapped. You know, mm-hmm. like for so long I stayed there because I felt like I didn't have any options. Mm-hmm. But if I had my own independent money source, I, I could have, yeah. right? I could have. And um, I also like it's hard, especially us women going through like all the changes, like, you know, puberty, figuring out who you are. 
the social media, all that, it's kind of, you kind of forget along the way, like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Who are you? What What do you want to bring to this world? So that is how I shifted into coaching. And I always listen to podcasts. So that's what really got me into listening to podcasts and then starting my own, which was a journey within itself. Um, and then also like trying to, you know, learn how to juggle being a single mom because that's difficult too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I can, it's hard enough when you have two parents, but just it's you. So you have to organize yourself the best way that you possibly can. And who do you have as help? You and his dad, you Mm -hmm. said co-parent very well. Do you have a third person that steps in? The lady that is like now you're, you know, a second mother to you. Does she step in? Um, so no, me, this is something me and James Miles' dad always talks about is it's us. It's you guys. Got it. It's us. Um, not that, you know, his parents are involved, but they're just, they're just older and yeah, they, it's really just at the end of the day, just me and him. Mm -hmm. So we're very good at, he's also an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So we're really good at like, okay. How are we going to make this all work? How are we going to work our business, but make sure our baby's taken care of? Okay. And, you know, that entails, like, daycare and um, just making sure that we have all our bases covered. Oh, that's good. So you guys may not be able to have a romantic relationship, but platonically, you guys make this co-parenting work the best of your abilities. Yes. Yep. That's definitely how it was. That romantic connection wasn't there, but as far as making sure everything's taken care of. We got that. Okay, that's good. That's good. So now let's talk more about your coaching business. How long have you been doing that? How is that? And why did you pick the whole aligning topic? Yeah. Um, So I've been doing this type of coaching for about a year and a half. And then before that was a year of fitness. So I've been in the coaching business for about two and a half years. Um, The reason I picked alignment is because, as I said before, we are our biggest tool and we don't use it. Mm -hmm. And just like you always talk about stories, our stories is what created us. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm here today is because I had many moments in life that turned into lessons, Mm -hmm. turned into lessons of who I want to be as a mom. How do I want to show up? Or I can do big dreams, right? I got told for so long that I wasn't able to, you know, go after big dreams that I knew that I could. Mm -hmm. And I almost like it's, I almost have this little bit of like, you said I couldn't, so I did kind of thing. I'm going to get you back. <laughs> I'm going to get you back. All those things you said, no, I'm about to do those. But um, so, yeah, so that is why I picked alignment because at the end of the day, I feel like we all have a gut feeling, whether it's, you know, change jobs, be an entrepreneur, or even like, you know, get out of a relationship or you feel like you're made for more, whatever it may be. And that can even be like a fitness journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just feeling where you're at and we don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. We don't listen to our gut. And I, after working with females for so long in the fitness part, mm-hmm. I realized that there are all these girls that are showing up, not for themselves. They're showing up to, for other people. Mm-hmm. And then I like decided, I'm like, no, like I want to show up for me for what example I want to set for miles. Right. And also 
be a, when you are fully in alignment, when you're feeling good and you're feeling out like, you know, you're treating your body well, you're making time for yourself, you're doing the thing that brings you so much passion, you're happy, right? Or you're on your way there. You're exactly. feeling happy. And one thing I know, especially in the world today, is that sometimes people get so negative. And that's not what life's about. Mm -hmm. Is every moment going to be happy? No. But like really figuring out like how to be more positive and be proud of yourself. Be proud of yourself for your story. Be proud of yourself for where you're going and all you have accomplished. And sometimes we forget that. We're always like looking for the next Mm -hmm. or really diving into what makes you you. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be like so-and-so on social media. We need to be who I'm supposed to be, and that is our reason here. Exactly. Very inspiring. Very inspiring of why you do the coaching. So do you have an intuitive ability? (laughs) How could you tell? Because (laughs) the whole time when you were like, I picked a lining, and I've interviewed enough people that now I'm starting to like put puzzles together. Yeah. So I'm very intuitive. So my friends are always, you know, they always know. Um, I'm very much of an empath. So I had to also create a life where I have a good balance with that, Mm -hmm. right? Because being an empath, you take on a lot of other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why my goal is to bring so much more positivity because when somebody is so has that negative feeling about themselves or not feeling good, I'm, I'm carrying it too. Mm-hmm. I'm carrying it with your girl. So, exactly. so I think that's why I really like to dive into that. And um, using my intuition in my coaching, I think is what has got me this far, what has helped me get my clients the most results mm-hmm. because I do have a little bit of an ability. And I think the older I get, the more in tune I get, right? Okay. The more I start to really hack into it. I also do uh, Reiki. So I carry a lot of energy that I can give out. And um, yeah, that's so funny that you picked up on that. I know. <laughs> I I'm love ta- it. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm getting, well, yeah. I will never get to where you are, but I'm getting better at like connecting dots. So I have a yeah. question. You might. How do you know? I don't know, but girl. You don't? I was talking about meditation the <laughs> other day. I can't, I'm constantly falling asleep if it's too quiet or too peaceful or, girl, I don't I think, you know what, let me say this, let me say this, let me take it back. I can feel people's energy, but not the way you feel it. Like, I think it's more I walk into a room and I'm a people watcher. So I'll watch people and then just by their demeanor, by the way they act, That's how I feel their energy to kind of understand what type of person they possibly would be, the way they respond to things. So from watching people, then it gives me an idea of what type of person you are. Even the email interactions I have with my guests, that alone, I'm feeling their energy. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. From just that email interaction, rather it's a real hype energy or rather it's a mellow tone or whatever they're given off as, you know, or someone who just just goes cold silence. Like, okay, that's fine. You know, like that's all energy. So I guess I feel it in a different way 
then you would feel it. But my question is, do you, like, I know some people say, like, when my clients walk into the room, I'm immediately like, that's the first thing I feel is the energy they bring into my office. Can you still feel that virtually? Yes. Um, so I will say, I will say virtually, you have to almost dig deep a little bit more, but um, you definitely still feel it okay. in person. It's almost even like, even like even more, right? Like, cause like, for instance, um, I went to a conference with a whole bunch of women and I could like feel, I could feel like, you know, I could tell when the girls by me were like freaking out. And then I could tell the ones that were like, just like, you know, high in life, loving being there. Um, so it it is a lot to carry. Um, I will say that the more I open up about it and like let it in, the more intuitive I get, mm-hmm. the more like more I can work through it. So um, who knows? You might. You're, you can tell that you're starting to let it in. Oh, no, girl. You could probably see and feel better than I can even feel and see and feel. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe after so many guest interviews with all the intuitive people that I'm interviewing, I might start to pick something up. Right. Uh, Yeah. So I wanted you to describe for those who don't know what Reiki is. Tell them exactly what that is. And also refresh my memory. I know what it is, but... How does that tie into your coaching? Yeah. So what energy is, it's transforming, like transferring energy, Mm -hmm. right? So as you can probably tell, like I'm very, I have a lot of energy. I'm that energized bunny that is like, okay, it's 5 a.m. Let's go. Um, I also have that like compassion energy. And with Riki, what you do is you can um, transmit it. You can do it in person, Mm -hmm. which is just like light touching. Um, Okay. Right, like light touching on them in certain spots. Uh, One of my favorite thing to do, especially for myself when I am feeling this, if you're feeling a block when it comes to talking Mm -hmm. or getting something out or, for instance, when you are angry with someone, Mm -hmm. right? Do you ever notice your throat gets tense? Your throat gets tense and you're like, oh, I got some stuff to say to you, but I'm holding it back. Reiki would dive into that, right, to release that energy and that tightness. Uh So a lot of times when I work with other women, say if they're trying to get into public speaking or they want to um, teach classes, whatever it may be, I work a lot on the throat because it opens up that speaking channel. Uh Or you can also use this when it comes to if you have a block with, you know, finding love or letting anyone in. This was a huge thing for me. Now, current mm-hmm. life, it's uh, really hard for me to let people in, right? Like, I'm almost like, okay, I've been divorced. I'm a single mom, kind of like back up. But I, at some point, want to meet somebody, right? So I got, I use Reiki on myself or others, and I tap into those feelings, uh-huh. tap into that energy to release whatever you're holding there. Or if you're tight in your chest, um, our body holds so much, as I said before, it holds trauma, it holds tension. And for us to really get into figuring out those blocks, Reiki helps that. And luckily, I am certified in both in person and virtually. And um, virtually, it's more I teach them how to do Reiki on themselves, but I also um, 
like transfer it through my voice. I also bring in like sound bowls, mm -hmm. things like that to oh. tap into areas. Is it yeah. the bowl that goes like that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Girl, I'm telling you, I'm tying all this stuff together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like um, the thing is, is a lot of times we have blocks. We don't even know it. We are holding stuff in our body. Some of us, our neck hurts, mm -hmm. right? We are getting these headaches. What it does is it really just transfers the energy to get rid of those blocks, tap into let, letting your body tell itself, like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You can release it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a great way for me to help my clients really, uh, like, achieve their goals because we release those blocks and also figuring out, like, what is blocking me from becoming my authentic self? Exactly. Right? Like what, yeah, what is blocking me from being me? Is it fear of judgment? Am I worried? Like that gut feeling, like sometimes our belly hurts or we get bloated when we're under stress. Like what is that? And um, that's why I love to bring it into my coaching. That's why you had that word in there. Now I'm tying everything together and I see why you got the tongue twister word of <laughs> authenticity that I actually yeah. literally have to if I don't think of it like this it does not flow yeah. properly it's like if I see it in a sentence it's like Shirley stop no <laughs> but if I if it's just authentic see that's like yep. my mind is like uh-uh we said it once we're not saying again but now it ties into why you're using that word and it makes sense yeah so when you reached out to me, you wanted to, you said you wanted to talk about letting your story define you and create you. Why is that important to you? Yeah. So here's the thing. A lot of times we think about our past and people don't want to look back, mm -hmm. right? They don't want to look back. They're like, oh, that was the old me. And, and you know, before you move forward, you're absolutely right. Do you know how many people that, a few people have reached out to me. And I think immediately they think they're coming on just to promote. But the minute I say, no, I need you to share a story. Oh, yeah. I never do that before. All of a sudden now they either go silent and ghost and don't say nothing. One yeah. girl was honestly able to tell me I've never shared my story before. And I said, well, before you fill out the form, please make sure you're comfortable doing that. So you're absolutely right. When people hear sharing your story, they don't like that. That it's right. a little frightening to them if they haven't done the work that they need to do. Yep. Uh-huh. And I've, yeah, and I've so, witnessed it here. Oh, this is a revelation. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing is a lot of people don't want to look back. They don't want to talk about their story. But guess what? You're here today because of your story. Mm -hmm. And especially being someone who's a coach, that's my one of my biggest whys. Mm -hmm. So like one thing I love doing with my clients is having them write their story and then pick out those memorable moments mm -hmm. that turned into lessons, right? Mm -hmm. So my mom, uh, all those components of her making me feel like I'm not good enough, mm -hmm. I make sure that, you know, I remind my son like, hey, buddy, you got this. You can you can go after those big goals or you're handsome. Mm -hmm. Little things like that, little affirmations I like to put out there. Um, I also realize that addiction runs deep, right? Addiction, so many people struggle with. And I realize that's something that I want to make sure I'm very cautious that I don't bring into my life. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, is that 
a lot of times people look at their past and they have like this resentment. They don't want to talk about it and they can't even believe it. Can I believe that I, you know, was dating someone at 13, you know, was was having sex at 15 and then moved in at 16? No. Like, do I want to tell my son that? Not really. But guess what? That's <laughs> that's what makes me, me. Exactly. That's what made me here today. And um, using our story helps others. So when Absolutely. we put this out there, people start to go, oh, yeah, I know what she means. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling. Oh, there's someone else like me. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a level of reassurance that you are okay, right? You're, you're not bad because sometimes – even people that have a rough, like a lot of rough teenage years, mm-hmm. I see this a lot with my clients. They're like, oh, no, we're going to shut that door. Mm-hmm. Don't bring it up. Exactly. But it's like, why were you acting out? Start to ask yourself that. Why were you acting out? What were you lacking? Mm-hmm. What did you learn from it? Mm-hmm. So I really like to make sure that people don't totally shut out their story. Doesn't mean you don't have to live in the past. Heck no, I ain't going back there. I don't want to. But you can definitely... Take that and be like, yeah, that's me. And now look. Now look where I am. I'm striving for more and I keep going and letting my story be a reason I keep going. That's good. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's frightening for people and people don't want to tap into their paths because I feel like they haven't done the work. They haven't healed properly. So it's still frightening for them. And also putting your past on air. It's different than sitting on a couch with your girlfriend and telling her your deep, dark secrets. The people who come on this show and share their past are very unique individuals because it's hard. You're talking about infidelity. You're talking about sexual abuse. You're talking about I've had people use of drugs, alcoholism, um, just straight failure, um, not prostitution, but pimping in a marriage. Yeah. Uh, how do you even pimp somebody when you're married? But it, I didn't even know it was possible until she told me. You, you get mm-hmm. all these stories? You, you, do you see all these? And these people have taken their negatives and turned them into a positive. But there's right. still a whole large group out there. Oh, no, don't dare ask me about my past. They'll say to you, I don't close that door. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. You've closed that door. So I can't ask you anything. So that means you're still obviously have some major things you need to work on if you're still, these triggers are still robust. Yeah. That's why everyone needs to go to therapy. <laughs> girl, strong <laughs> advocate of therapy. And I always tell people. I love my therapist. <laughs> girl who listen to my podcast, I always tell them and they'll tell you, Shirley will say she's not a therapist. I ain't no therapist. I'm your girlfriend. Just, you know, out here, just chit chatting with you. That's what I am. But uh-huh. you need to go seek some therapy because I am not the one that you be need to be listening to. Say Shirley said no. <laughs> no, I'm not your therapist. Go get some therapy and go get some help. Because even me, I have a therapist. I love my therapist. I call them oh, big yeah. brother and big sister. They're a husband and wife. Oh, my God. And sometimes yeah. they need to keep me in check. Let me know when. Uh, no, I remember when I went to therapy and I tell this story all the time. The man had the audacity to tell me, don't come here thinking you better than him because y'all both toxic. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, he didn't just tell me I was toxic. Yeah. And he said, and and then the other thing he said is, you don't even have the proper tools in your relationship to have a healthy relationship. So even if you were to go be with somebody else, you'd probably fail that relationship as well. 
Girl, yep. when and he told me that, I was like, no, this motherfucker didn't. <laughs> you know what, though? He's probably right. He is. <laughs> now I understand what he means by that. Before, I couldn't wrap it together. I was like, he's disrespectful. That's the only yeah. thing I can think of in my head. This man doesn't know what he's talking about. I, I yeah. communicate well. Until we started to go and I started realizing, oh, shit, I didn't know about this. And then I definitely don't have this and I definitely don't communicate like that. You start to check yourself and realize, no, there are some major improvements and work that I, I need to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Um, so I have a question for you. Yeah. I'm talking about stories. Go ahead. Why did you create a podcast that's all about the storytelling piece? Ah, because of my story. That's the inspiration behind it because I took my story and I turned it into a positive and I wanted to be a voice. You know how you say sometimes when you have something that needs to come out and you feel it in your throat? For many years, I felt so shamed about my story. We're talking about I felt shamed about my childhood. Didn't really want to talk about that. Um, I felt shamed about my relationship and the infidelity I went through my in my relationship. I felt shamed about the fact that there was a child created out of infidelity. I felt shame the fact that hubby and I have been together 23 years. We have a whole damn house, bills, kids, but we're not legally married. And I felt shamed about all these things because society made me feel, oh, you don't know your worth as a woman because this man still hasn't married you. Oh, you stayed in a relationship and he cheated on you? Girl, you really don't know your worth. Um, At the end of the day, you know, you don't have a good relationship with your mom and dad. What's wrong with you? You should love your parents. But all these things society was telling me like, no, 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 like, Shame yourself, shame yourself. And I was like, wait a minute. First of all, this is my story. This is my life. I need to at least maintain some type of control and not let society feed so much into me. And when I say society, let me clarify that. There's good and there's bad information out there. I'm talking about I was letting the bad information take over. That's what Mm -hmm. I was doing, you know? So... um. About 2018 is when I really, truly found my voice. And I realized that it's okay for me to tell people I cheated. It's okay for me to tell people hubby cheated. It's okay for me to say yes, and we're still together confidently, like Mm -hmm. we're making things work and not feel shame about that. Because you know how many women would look at me with side eye and say, and you still with them? consistently and it's mostly the women not the men yep hundred you know we're always talking about women's support and women empowerment and we supposed to stick behind each other but I would always get dirty looks from the women but I always had to tell them but you do know I cheated as well I can't sit here and throw stones where mm-hmm. I was the victim I also was the perpetrator so mm-hmm. what do you have to say about that and normally they go speechless because normally you only ever hear about, oh, he's the one cheating, so you need to go. But that that wasn't the case for our story. And then when with my parents, I realize now I was my grandparents raised me to the time I was four and a half years old. I came here and emotionally I was detached from my grandparents 
to live with my biological parents. And that emotional detachment right there fucked me up for life, Darcy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize that. I had this secure emotional connection with my grandparents. Come live with my mom. It was like no connection, no emotional connection, no nothing. I still this day, I love my parents. I know they are my parents. Mm -hmm. But you know how most people in conversation will just be like, hey, mom, hey, dad, blah, blah, blah. I just start conversation. So I don't attach the mom and dad to it. Because right. that tie has been severed and it's never been able to be reconnected. Yep. Mm-hmm. So all these things, this is why the podcast starts with your story, because it takes a serious amount of courage. And people don't realize that to sit behind a mic for people to listen to the shit that happened to your life and take all the ridicule that comes with it. So that's why I tell people you need to have some type of impactful story, rather romantic or platonic to share with my listeners. Do you know how many people are listening? That's like, Oh my God, I'm not the only one going through this. Oh my God. There's someone else out there. There's someone else that cannot voice themselves right there. And what that's why I'm so thankful for my guests because they don't realize how impactful it is. Right. You know how you took your situation and turned it into a positive. And I even love how you're just, you say like, I'm a single mother with pride. Like girl, from the day mm-hmm. I met you, you don't give a rat's ass what anybody has to say. I remember when you reached out to me, the first thing you like, you hear him in the background and you had no shame either. You're leaving <laughs> me this voice message like, hey, like, we're long lost friends. Like I'm just reaching out and your son's in the background. You're like, do you hear that? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and that is like. First of all, I could tell like, oh, this girl has energy. Look at her. And she has no shame. You could tell right there like there's no shame attached to what you do. You accept me for who I am or else kick mm-hmm. rocks. Yeah. <laughs> With yeah. your son in the background. You were like, I'm handling <laughs> yeah. business. I'm reaching out to you because I'm interested. Oh, well, if you're ashamed about any of this, then maybe it's just not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And to be honest, that's what makes makes my life a little easier, I feel like, because I am just – I show up as me. Yes. I show up as me with the kid in the back. And a lot of moms have so much guilt when they say single mom. They do. Like, and you can hear I, the guilt in the voice because yeah, you when didn't I have say, it Oh, in yeah, I'm a, I'm a single mom. And, like, people will come back and be like, oh, my gosh, you didn't stay with them? And I'm like, girl, mm-hmm. come here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. <laughs> And I see you doing that. And this is what I'm talking about. So this is the reason behind my podcast is absolutely taking ownership of my story, Darcy, which took a long time for me to do. Yeah. 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 And you know, earlier when you said there's a whole bunch of people that don't want to talk about their story, they haven't reached that point yet. Mm -hmm, Right. They're still, they're still sitting that point where they're like embarrassed and ashamed and my thing is, is that at the end of the day, we all got shit. We all got something. We all did things we probably shouldn't have that we're not proud of. So when you start to fully kind of embrace it and just be like, yep, this is me. I am that single mom that is, you know, here's a good one. So I'm a single mom, but you see me a lot like going out to business meeting conferences mm-hmm. and I get a lot of kickback. But it's like, 
okay, I, I am a real good mom, but I'm, I still have my career and mm -hmm. that's okay. Yes. You know, and I just, that's me. And, you know, some people like it and then some people unfollow me. Exactly. <laughs> and the ones who are meant to be in your corner will continue following. That's just what it is. There are zillions of people out there. If you, I realized a long time ago, it is very unreal for you to think that you're just going to connect with everyone. When I started the right. podcast, I mentally already told myself, guess what, Shirley? Everyone's not going to fucking like you. Yep. Everyone's not going to like the message that you're putting out there. And that shit is okay. And mm -hmm. I've learned to accept that. Somebody going to have something to say. And that oh, yeah. shit is okay. Mm-hmm. So... For sure. For sure. So what is one positive, influential, motivational word you want to give to our listeners out there? <laughs> Can it be authentic? Here she go with that <laughs> word again. Here she go with that uh, word. She loves it. I do. I do <laughs> love that word because... That is the thing is that when you start being like authentically you yeah, and you can just show up, then you don't have to think about it. Like, especially as an entrepreneur, I myself now, I myself in front of my friends and I don't have to put up this like fake it till you make it thing that people always say to do mm -hmm. because I'm trying to be me. Exactly. Right. Like being you is what makes people follow you. What makes people come in your corner. And so being authentic is just just my word, apparently. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it, Darcy. So it was great talking to you today. Do you have any other questions for me before we go? I think I'm good, but thank you so much for having me on. This has been so great. And just so you know, you are helping so many people by putting out other stories, um, especially you go in depth, which a lot of times we just kind of like skip through, right? Like when I first told my story, I was just like, <laughs> yeah, this, this, this. Okay, we're done here. And then you really dived in and those pieces that you dived in is where people I think could really relate so thank you so much for putting this podcast out into the world no problem I appreciate it and like I always say I appreciate every single one of my guests because Darcy you are making an impact you really truly are because there's a woman just like you out there that is going through very similar situations do you know how many fucking single moms are out there yeah. Oh, right. yeah. And nobody likes to talk about no, it. No, no, <laughs> no. Because you're looked at as a failure. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. So as always, we want to thank you for listening, guys. And to love yourself, voice yourself, and be yourself. Until the next podcast, have a great one. Thanks for tuning in to Fumpale Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, I want to hear from you. Head on over to the website or join our Facebook community and comment your favorite part of the show or share your thoughts. I want to hear what you have to say. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Chat with you next week.